Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I am back. Yeah, because I mean, Dan drank Miller High Life on the show last week, so that was his last ever episode. <laughs> uh, which is funny, because like, he had the bourbon when we did mm-hmm. the three-way episode, and the bourbon, acceptable, and then he goes out and like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's unfortunate. I guess we got to find a new, uh, a new backup. Yeah, new uh, backup John. I think I called him. Fill in John. That's, something like that. Yeah. That, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something just keeps him. happening to all the backup Johns. Ariel leaves for the riders. Dan drinks a really shitty beer. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do around here. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's, hey, let's get on the helicopter podcast. (laughs) I am Joel Gasson, once again joined by the co-host of this here fine program, John Fraser, as he has returned after him and his uh, lovely wife welcomed their daughter, their third child in the world last week. And yes. quite frankly, um, after Dan Plaster's beer choice last week, we had to uh, tell him that his services were no longer required. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. After listening to that bit, Joel, uh, I thought to myself, there's more family in town tonight. And I thought, well, maybe it'd just be easier if Dan came back on with Joel again. And then the Miller High Life line dropped. Mm-hmm. He was okay with the bourbon when there was both of us. Dan, you should have stuck the bourbon. But then he has to go out and drop that, and uh, I, I I think yet another backup John has been exposed in the expansion draft, if you will. Yeah, and, and I mean also on the other end of it, if he was on three weeks in a row, CBC would probably start to think that maybe he was doing this as an actual side thing, and might, he might get in trouble for that. So right, 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 and and the amount of feedback we got of how good our podcast was with him on it. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be having that now. That's no, no, no. We got to keep the bar nice and low. Like we love Dan. Dan's an awesome guy. Uh, as you alluded to, commitments mm. at the CBC. Uh, but we love having Dan on. Except he isn't just uh, on sus- indefinite suspension, shall we call it, because of a shitty pick of beer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, or the next time you're unavailable, whichever comes first. <laughs> that's 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 fair. And with with two kids under six and a newborn in the house, that happened a couple times this year uh something that seems to happen for the first time and we would be amiss if we did not talk about this as two men who love to embrace the dumb yes uh whether that's football sports or just life in general um if you're not from if you're not if you're listening from outside of saskatchewan right now you might not have heard this story right now this week and it's a shame because you need to hear it it is phenomenal in just about every way so i'm gonna read i'm gonna read basically um the RCMP release as it was written, because it's also, like, it's actually a very good written job by the Tisdale RCMP. So here we go. <clears throat> Let's go. 9.45 a.m. A Leroy, Saskatchewan man took cravings for some ice cream to a whole new level and landed in the middle of a Tisdale RCMP investigation. On July 31st at approximately 5 p.m., Tisdale RCMP received a complaint that a helicopter had landed in a high-traffic parking lot on 101st Street in Tisdale, Saskatchewan. When it landed, the helicopter blew up dust and debris through the area, which includes schools, an aquatic center, and more. Investigation determined that the landing was not an emergency. We'll debate that in a second. A passenger of the helicopter exited the aircraft and entered a nearby restaurant, i.e. Dairy Queen, to buy an ice cream cake. (laughs) Officers determined the pilot, a 34-year-old man from Leroy, was licensed to drive the helicopter but that it was illegal to land it where he did. On August 4th, the pilot was charged with one count of dangerous operation of an aircraft, 
uh, under the criminal code, blah, 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 and will appear in court on September 7th in Melford. I think, the, okay, so the best part of all of this, personally, hmm. is Lacey is from Engelfeld, which is not far from Leroy. And every year at Engelfeld Hogfest, there's a dude that, for a donation to charity, will fly you in his helicopter. After you sent me the story and after I replied, I instantly texted Lacey. I'm like, that has to be the helicopter guy from Hogfest. <laughs> so I did more sleuthing. Uh, she's like, yeah, I totally think it is because she has been up in that helicopter going for a ride before. They did not stop at a Dairy Queen, which is why it was all good and legal. So I do more investigating. I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat. I do not have a Watson. I work alone. Uh, side note, I love that you've put more effort into finding out this than researching anything to do with what we actually talk about on this podcast. You saw the desk when you were at my house. I'm like, this is where I podcast from now. There's a computer there. Um, but you are actually correct on that. So I then go to my father-in-law, who's a shuttle driver at Enns Toyota with me. And I said, first off, Don, have you heard about this? Second, do you think it's the guy? And he goes, oh yeah, he has a farm near Tisdale. And I'm like, Wow, just he had a hankering. It it, it it was hot yesterday. It was, you know, a kind of day that you've probably been working. He probably said, F it, let's go grab some ice cream. I'm enraged that he was charged for this because I can tell you, <laughs> I have personally seen this man's helicopter skills. Not only have I seen his helicopter skills, for there has never been a helicopter-related incident in all the years of Engelfeld Hogfest. But I can tell you, if you can operate a motor vehicle successfully without falling asleep or puking out of it after three days of Engelfeld Hogfest, you are a skilled navigator. Um, if I knew anything about law, I'd offer to, like, be his lawyer. But my whole basis would be like, come on, this was really cool. Whatever Karen called this into the RCMP needs to go and Chikai a little here. Or whatever the male Karen is. What is the male Karen? It's Kyle. I don't know. I don't remember. Kyle. Keith? Keith's just an ugly name. But I... I <laughs> who hasn't been tempted? Because, I, I mean, I looked it up. Because, I mean, I, I don't know that area super well. Obviously, I've heard of all the towns there. Right. And, like, let's face it. The ice cream cake at Dairy Queen. The ice cream is the ice cream's fine. It is what it is. But what you want, what the craving is, is that cookie fudge centerpiece that you could you could just buy like bulks of that, and I would just eat that, and I would be extremely happy. Right. And Sheldon Jones is probably just thrilled that we're talking about Dairy Queen right now. But regardless, yes, yes, yes. So yes. I can completely understand. I can completely understand the desire to get that. I think you know, unfortunately, the rules are what they are. He broke them. He should probably face a fine for that. Whatever. But it might have been worth it because. Even though they deemed it not an emergency, I would argue sometimes mm -hmm. a ice cream craving could be considered an emergency, depending I on would, the situation. I would concur, yes. If you check it out on Google Maps, it's about an hour and a half drive from mm -hmm. Leroy to Tisdale. So if that's how long it's going to take you to get Dairy Queen ice cream, or the ice cream cake, and you had a helicopter, everyone in our position would have done the exact same thing. 100%. Now, now what I wonder... Because, I mean, it would have been melted by the time he got home if he drove. I mean, that'd be silly. Right. But now what I wonder, has he done this before to Humboldt? Because Humboldt is also a short helicopter, and that's where he does his helicopter stuff, mm -hmm. is in the Humboldt area. I think he's ever just, like, landed near McDonald's, picked up a McDouble and pitter-patter. Has he gone to Melfort before? I don't know. Like, it, it's possible. I mean, we, we like, don't it know. It seems like the Because, I mean, it's like anything, like, of other certain criminal activities that happen, it's not usually a one-off, right? No. D different severities, but, like, not at all to compare this, to the, like, to this at all. It's like when drunk drivers get caught, it's not because they dr drunk, drove drunk once. Right. So, I mean, it's possible that, I'm not, I'm not accusing the guy of anything, but it's possible he's done this before at other places, just no one gave a crap. Exactly. Uh, clearly, this falls on the town of Tisdale for being lame. And this comes from a town that, by your research, is close to some place called Nut, Nut Mountain. Yes. Maybe Keith, whomever called the RCMP, needs to venture up old Nut Mountain with an ice cream cake and just let the mountain live up to its name. 
Especially if he grabbed his Manscaped 4.0 before that. Oh, you even got a slide into the into the Manscaped. That was <laughs> the king of transitions. The king of transitions, Joel Gasson. It's funny, I heard somebody praising Jamie Nye for that, and it wasn't even a very good one. It was. Mm-hmm. It, it was. I'm like, nah, nah. My boy Gas does it better. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of Manscaped, it is the. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm <laughs> going to read the uh, the script here, mm-hmm. the ad read, and it is the Space PP 4.0 copy. And I just, <laughs> I'm a child and I see PP and I, I know it's performance package, but I think PP and Manscaped. Anyways, uh, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way. Now. They probably want us to be more global, but I think this should be more appropriate. All the way from come by chance Newfoundland to climate Saskatchewan. Do we have a pube problem? Uh, Gas says you're supposed to insert some space music here. We don't edit on this program. That's That would be against their philosophy. So I'm just going to go pew, 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 lasers. Uh, if we do have a pube problem, which <laughs> I hope I don't offend Jacques. <laughs> I am here for some time with my lawnmower 4.0. Uh, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff of their fourth generation of brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide, including yours truly. Trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20. Um, as soon as I read Rocket Ready for Takeoff, did you ever see the Matt Stone Trey Parker movie Orgasmo? No, I have not. Okay. In this one part, Orgasmo, the superhero, the, the titular hero of the movie, has something he calls the cock rocket. Mm-hmm. And his superpower is going, cock rocket away! And it's like a rocket cock that flies off of there. So um, if you also have that, uh, just use the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, and this the cock rocket will guide you on your journey to trim your body, balls, butts. And or, even... we can, or we can go through Austin Powers with the, the rocket scene where they keep interrupting at the right point where they're about to say oh. dick, and then they use a different word for dick. It's so good. <laughs> Orgasmo, trust me, is much more in your face. But oh, I'm sure, yes. Oh, it's I don't know. It's it, and it's like from like the pre basketball era. Like I think that's when they were still doing movies before they really hit it off of South Park. Hmm. It, it yeah, it's it's classic. So uh, as an aside, uh, buy a lawnmower 4.0, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20. Manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond it's supposed to be infinity and beyond and my kids just got buzz light your jammies from their grandma <laughs> so now i'm gonna go upstairs and see those and have to think of the line your space balls thank you i'm not shitting you <laughs> My kids went right from daycare to my mother and father-in-law's, and their great-grandma sent a, a, a baby welcome gift that included Buzz Lightyear jammies, and here I am talking about cock rockets and my equipmunk while quoting Toy Story. That's uh... So that's a thing that's going to happen tonight. Good times. Good times. That was great. So yeah, we actually have football games to talk about today, if you can believe it or not. What? The Riders 1-0 on the season after... Uh... An eventful game against the BC Lions. I I don't know if it was a good game or not, but it was certainly entertaining for a lot of different reasons. So we're going to get into kind of the good, the bad, and the dumb of that game. Uh, various things on that, of course. So we're going to talk about uh, the whole Michael Riley saga. Uh, we'll talk about the hit Cody Fajardo takes. And uh, we'll look ahead a little bit as well to the game this week against the Hamilton Ticats. And uh, touch a little bit on the ratings, perhaps, through TSN on week one of the CFL on TSN. But as usual, before we get to all that, uh, on your mighty return, John, what is in the glass this week? On my mighty return, I have brought one of my mightiest top beers that exist. Of course, now when my parents come out to visit, my mom came out to, uh, to obviously, she coincidentally, she was on her way out to visit when baby Maya was born. Mm-hmm. I said, don't worry about bringing out like care packages or anything. Just pick me up some Lake of the Woods beer. And there's two in particular that I love that I haven't found like Lake of the Woods. If, you, if you're listening to Northern Ontario, go pick up their stuff. It's all like just top notch. But 
I would say, you know, you can find Kolsch's, you can find Pilsner's, you can find all that kind of normal stuff here. Like, I mean, you can get that from, from our partners at Pile of Bones, you get it from the guys at Rebellion, Nokomis, Blackbridge. What you can't get is some of the unique stuff that Lake of the Woods has, and if you ever find it, if you're ever going through northern Ontario, and I believe parts of, of Manitoba, you need to find it. One of them being the Forgotten Lake Blueberry Ale. A, it is strong. B, it comes as advertised. It's an ale made with blueberries and crisp Lake of the Woods water. Um, is the color of the beer actually like blue or the purplish? It's that purplish, yeah. Okay. It actually does. When you pour it that, into the glass, it does. That's how you know it was actually made with the real fruit and not just extract. Absolutely. And and they say it real fruit, real blueberries. It's been one of their staples for as long as I've been drinking their product, which uh, is at least a few years now. So it's one that I always ask my parents to bring out, uh, and I'm going to try to find a way to load up for myself when I'm back home for Labor Day weekend. But it's just – it's outstanding. Uh, try it. The other one I love as well that I know won't last until next week's episode, so I should shout it out now, is their peach beer. It is beer. It is peach. It's it's same thing. It comes out a little cloudy, a little hazy. Real ingredients. Great beer. If you can find anything from Lake of the Woods, wherever you may be. it's. I feel like it's one of those things that you just randomly stumble upon one day and find it uh maybe like uh, like a craftier place like i know ingredients here in saskatoon in saskatoon has a lot of beers you don't normally find i haven't found lake of the woods there but if you can find it if you're listening in manitoba uh, or ontario go get it uh it is top notch and i can also personally vouch i don't know if it's the lake water they use or the real ingredients but you can drink a shitload of them and not feel that bad the next day so if you happen to find some, you can mail some to John at. <laughs> That's right. I would actually give you my home address. I don't care how murdery you are. Like, like if you if you're like murdery stalkery, I might give you my work address, but I'm pretty sure you can figure that out. Just don't. Well, where do you work again? I don't think you've ever mentioned it on this podcast. I no. What, what a rare thing. <laughs> so rare. I I try to keep it to a minimum after you know some people almost got me fired for t- calling them a bunch of rubes and boomers, but. Who's kidding? We all know I work at Ensto Yoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, when I was leaving work today, I decided to pick up a four-pack of one of your favorites, hoping that you had to drink one of your budget beers this evening. <laughs> no, I got good beers this evening. Don't worry. <laughs> so I kinda I'm wanted, not rationing though. I wanted to rub it in a little bit as I picked up the uh, Black Bridge Uno IPA, oh, which is, so of course, good. the single version of their double IPA, if that makes sense. And their double IPA is one of the absolute best beers you'll ever find in this province. So this is, of course, uh, just slightly hopped down a little bit, a little less alcohol, just a nice, easy drinking IPA. Mm, it's so good. I think, and I know we're, we're dangerously close to talking too much about my equipment, mm-hmm. but I promise I was wearing shorts. Uh, when I went to Moose Joe once, Lacey and I actually sprung for the suite at the Temple Gardens where you had a hot tub. Mm-hmm. Never forget, it was like peak relaxation of my life. Uh, we had not had Max yet. Uh, and I was sitting in the hot tub in my room watching a bomber game, drinking an Uno IPA, and it was just pure bliss. And now here I am in front of you, Joel, a man with about four hours of sleep a night dating back to last Wednesday. Yeah. Life comes at you fast, eh? <laughs> it sure does, and it kicks you right in the dick. Speaking, of coming, at you... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of coming out, life coming at you fast, that Ryder game sure was something. Woo! That's a thing. Because, that, yeah, that was two three games in one. And I, and I think sort of the big question that comes out of it is, are you concerned at all? Because I mean, or are you like, or is any like, I'm talking to you, the fans, not necessarily just you. Like, right. Like, I, I think the biggest question is, which team are they? Are they the team that jumped out to a 31, nothing lead and seemed unstop- unstoppable through the first 25 minutes or so? Mm-hmm. Or were they the team that effectively couldn't do anything in the second half? Because And I think the second half is more so the big question because I think, you know, they got off to a really good start. I think a lot of that was sort of adrenaline of the moment and the game and, you know, the whole thing. First game in 628 days or something, you know, packed Mosaic Stadium. The fans are going nuts. There's a whole, you know, it's not surprising that they got off to a fast start. Right. It's surprising they got off to that fast of a start, I think. but ridiculous. Then the second half came around and it all kind of fell apart. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, Craig Dickinson kind of hit on them. He said he felt they kind of let off the gas a little bit, which mm-hmm. 
when you jump up like that happens and we've seen it time and time again and you know especially in football when you jump out to that big league that big lead and you do let up a little bit it's hard to get it going again it is yep yep and that's essentially what we saw in that football game and it essentially it should have cost them that game yes if the lions absolutely. if the lions had kicking in that game they would have won but yep. instead you know they got lucky with some missed field goals and whatnot so all of that happened and then they still ended up winning and at the end of the day that's what matters but i don't think we're any closer to knowing anything about this team i think no and i think this is true across the league right now where we're not going to know anything about any of these teams probably for about a month right because i mean you know calgary lost hamilton didn't look great toronto looked pretty good ottawa looked bad but still won edmonton's just weird as we kind of expected in some ways bc was also showing ups and downs so i mean it's going to take time for us to figure out what these teams are and it's going to be really fun and interesting to try and make power rankings over the last few weeks because we were asked to put ours in for this week on three down nation. And I was just like, uh, throw, pick, pick them in a hat, throw them in a hat, which it, it's funny. You, you mentioned the chaos. Cause so I have a friend of mine that doesn't know a lot about the CFL. He's in a pool, a pick em pool at work. And he's like, Hey, uh, can you make my picks for me? Uh, if I win something, I'll I'll buy you some beer or something. I said, okay, sounds good. Uh, him and I went one and three in the first week. The one win being the Riders win because again, it's just you're like you said, it's it's going to be chaos. Um, I think I managed to pull out two and two, which is always kind of like the right. minimum I like to do is to, to avoid the one and three zero oh and four week basically. Right. See, I I had a problem because. Part of me knows how powerful the Fraser curse is. Hmm. So I have a hard time picking Winnipeg, even though my brain's like, pick Winnipeg. They're at home. They're raising the banner. They're still cohesive. They're not missing. That Hamilton O-line was beaten up. Yeah, exactly. But part of me is still like, don't Fraser curse them because there is power in that curse, <laughs> as we have proven time and time again. I think for the riders, um, a couple things encouraged me. One being... Cody Fajardo was able to, he didn't shrink in that moment. Here's a guy that in his second year as a starting quarterback in this league that, you know, we all hope he does well. And, mm-hmm. and I think everybody just kind of accepted he's going to do well, but still it's a question mark. It's a yep. second, second year to start in the league. This is a guy that admittedly was, was emotional in the tunnel before the game. He was fired up. He was ready to go. And to take a guy like that in only his 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 first real year where he knew coming in he was going to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. For him to take that and channel it in what I thought was a very solid performance, I think was great. I yeah. think that is a good sign that, that Cody is going to be who we who we hope Cody will be. I, I Yeah, think I, I saw some chatter on Twitter after that he didn't get to three hundred yards, but I would argue with anyone about that considering the lead they got i'm like you find me a quarterback that has a 31 nothing lead in the first half and is and if they're not already at 300 yards finishes the game with over 300 yards passing. oh and it, it never happened and, and the big thing the 80 percent completion percentage mm. with only well, one he completed his first 15 well that's which it was like, insane. he just looked he looked crisp mm-hmm. he looked ready he well, didn't look overwhelmed yeah well, I, I joked in the press box after the first drive i was like well yeah they had like two years to work on that drive <laughs> it did. You know what though? It did look like an orchestrated drive. You oh, they knew, always like, are. They always are. They, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I was impressed. It. I was really impressed with Cody's composure. I was impressed with the O line. Hmm. I well, thought uh, yeah, that... like I, I think early on they they it got away from them a little bit. Like there were there was never any glaring terrible play from the offensive line. I thought right, but especially early on in that first half of that game, Jason Moss treated them like a rookie group. They essentially were. And it right. was, okay, we're calling quick plays. Like, Cody Fajardo was getting the ball out in, like, two seconds or less. So there was no time for any pass rush to get there. I don't think BC has a good pass rush, which certainly helped in that scenario as well. Right. But at the same time, yeah, it was very quick plays. William Powell was really involved early. And they went for it. And I was especially, I especially liked what, they, what I saw to Jason Maz early when it was that third and two just over midfield, and they went for it. They went. They up, they, they went for it with an eleven yard pass to Karen Moore. Then, then yep. they ended up getting a touchdown later. So, we'll which, get into which, which, a, an opposite decision in the second half later. But early on, they got aggressive and it paid off. Well, and I even remember I I, I was 
I, I between holding Maya and entertaining the kids and everything and, and drinking at one point, Lacey's beer wasn't cold enough. So I was drinking three drinks at once. Uh, my mom had poured me my mom had gotten me a, a good beer. I was drinking a budget beer and then Lacey handed me one. So literally drinking three, three. And I took the time to go. I love that. That third and two I loved. Um, mm-hmm. What does concern me, speaking strictly offensively as we're on the topic. Mm-hmm. Who decided to not use William Powell in the second half? That's yeah. what concerns me. I mean, that... I, I would I would have to go back and really watch it to see if BC changed anything to really, you know, discourage the run. That's the only thing that would jump out at me as why they did it so, you know, why they got away from it so much. Um, right. I would hope you would still try a little bit more than they did, even if the box is stacked against you. It still helps to try a little bit every once in a while. Because, yeah, I mean, William Powell looked pretty good in the first half. And then he did. Then just didn't see the ball the rest of the game. And I think I think that hurt them. Well, and I think one of the biggest back to the O line, every offensive lineman I've ever spoken to. I've had several friends that have played the position says the best way for them to get into the game is some run blocking. Oh, absolutely. It gets them going downhill, gets the mojo going, gets them being aggressive rather than passive trying to block. Exactly. So. I was concerned that this is going to become a pattern that, like, because you're right, like 12, 12 carries, 43 yards, Powell looked good. Mm-hmm. He looked like the guy you, like, they're going to need a run game or teams are just going to pin their ears back and come after Cody, and you can't have that, right? No. So that's that was my biggest concern on offense was not the way they performed, but the way that they suddenly decided to get one-dimensional and I don't know why they would have done that by this point again with the triple fisting and the parenting and all that I wasn't paying that close of attention to BC's defensive fronts but I I was surprised at how little William Powell was used and I hope I hope maybe that was a we're trying some things we want to get Shaq Evans going because he was not in that game we we want to do some good things and and get guys into a rhythm rather than we're just not going to run the ball (laughs) yeah uh and and i mean it was it was it was an interesting situation the coaching staff was in in that game like even like let's say hypothetically bc didn't mount any sort of a comeback and it stayed the blowout that it was at the time it was a scenario where i think if you very likely would not have seen a lot of backups come in just because it had been so long since all these guys had played where it would be right. like, okay, would it really be beneficial to give Isaac Harker some reps right now? Or do you want to actually give Cody Fichardo some more work, you know? Right. So, I mean, it didn't work out that way, but it's just, it would have been an interesting scenario to see play out. Right. But as we know, it didn't stay the blowout. And I think this is obviously where there is concerns, but again, it's week one of the CFL season. And with no preseason. Um, with no preseason. In a normal year, it takes three to four weeks for a C- before we really know who's good in the CFL and who's bad. Without a preseason and without having any games at all last year, it may take a little bit longer. And there's going to be wild swings all over the place on this thing right now. So oh, yeah. I think there's something to learn from what happened to the Riders in that game. They shouldn't just brush it aside as week one for sure. They should certainly learn from it. But it's not a reason to be alarmed either. I would say. No, I would I, I would agree. Uh, it, one thing I found fascinating, too, and I think a lot of people were blaming the defense for the comeback, um, especially when Michael Riley looked more like me throwing the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot of quackers. Uh, I mean, obviously making the right decisions, but... yeah. I was concerned, and as a casual observer, as someone who'd never really seen anything like that before in my years of watching broadcasting football, I'm going, oh shit, like, this defense can't stop a guy that that can't throw. And then it was Nick Marshall, who, Mm -hmm. again, has his own faults on the left. Yeah, we saw saw a little bit of old Nick Marshall there for the boom and bust, but yeah. We certainly did. But the thing that interested, that I found so interesting was his post-game comment Mm -hmm. that... Yeah, so if if you didn't see it, Glenn Reed of CBC asked the question um, about it. He basically asked, was like, well, you know, you know, Michael Riley comes in and he's clearly not throwing the ball right. He's not throwing the ball well. You know, is that an adjustment like when, like a knuckleballer in, pit, in pitch in baseball? And Nick Marshall basically said, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. I mean, 
you could tell, especially with the pass interference and illegal contact rules, the Riders defensive backs almost didn't know what to do. When do you hit a guy when he's basically sitting? It's almost like a fair catch situation in the NFL where he's just like sitting under this ball waiting to waiting for it to fall. What the hell do you do? Yeah. You almost got to like wait for him to catch it. And, and BC does have some talented receivers that knew that knew to come back to the ball, that knew what to do with the ball. So I don't know if I'm so concerned with the defense I, I think, and Craig Dickinson said it too. I think they got tired. Oh, like, 100%, there, there's all yeah. like, and this is going to happen to every team across the league for a little bit here. The conditioning just isn't quite there to play a full 60 minutes of football. And right. I think, especially the way that the offense was sputtering in the second half, definitely did them no favors either for the defense. No, no, no you're absolutely right. Right. I mean, and you could kind of see that league wide if mm-hmm. you watched a bunch of the games this weekend that. Or the entire Edmonton Ottawa game. Oh God! You you, that, you know a game is bad when the broadcasters are trying to defend it as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when our when friend of the show and friend of ours, Colin Hodgson, is talking up the fact that Sean White is a really good guy. Which, for the record, I I, I got to play online poker with Sean White this off season. Uh, tremendous human. And you just find yourself you're like, but Sean White's a good guy. Let's go, Sean. You're kicking some field goals. You're doing the thing. Let's go. And that was about it. That was all yeah. it had going for it. Uh, you know a game is bad when I had decided to go to bed. And I got into my bed, and I did my, like, last Twitter scroll of the night, and it's like, interception, Ottawa takes the lead, and I'm like, fuck it. I ain't watching this. I ain't turning it back on. <laughs> that's, that's normally the moment when you're like, oh, this game got good. I will turn on my bedroom TV and watch this. And I went... Well, this one's so crap. I'm 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 not gonna watch it at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, thankfully, the Ryder game was was not at all like that, Joel. No, and I mean there was no short of entertainment as well. I mean there was the whole the whole whatever was going on with Michael Riley. I mean in the moment, it definitely felt very strange. And I remember I tweeted myself. I was like, so I guess depth charts don't matter still. Um, right. But I I think since then we've the picture has become pretty clear. That I, I don't think there was any attempt at misdirection, and if obviously if there was, it didn't work. Um, because it, it sounds like by all accounts, you know, Riley just made these decisions at the last second all around. Because the one that really, the game time thing, okay, that is what it is at this point. Right. Um, it's just the halftime one was so strange to me. The Rick Campbell's out there talking about how it's better for Michael Riley if he doesn't play, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, he's playing in the second half, and that's just it's just not a good look on coach to be like, do you actually have control of the situation right now? Right. And, and I agree with you. Um, but I almost wonder one thing I found interesting was watching the dynamic between Nathan Rourke and Michael Riley through that game Mm -hmm. and watching the way that Michael Riley was very much involved, showing him charts. Um, it's almost a little bit like a move you see a lot in lacrosse Yeah, where, the starting goaltender is struggling. He'll get pulled for five minutes to, to just watch from the bench, and then he goes back in. Usually a quick conversation with his backup, and then all is well. And I, I kind of got that vibe there that, like, Rourke being thrown to the fire didn't look great in the first half. It almost felt like Riley falling on the sword a little. Hmm. You know, to yeah. me, that was, that was I got, that, that, that Michael Riley was like, okay, I'm going to go out there. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be great. But you need some time to just chikai. That's fair. Yeah. And, and and I feel like, again, I've never interviewed him. I don't know him personally. I just feel like that's on brand for Michael Riley. Mm-hmm. And you could see the difference in Nathan Rourke after that. Mm-hmm. It was like Riley went out, showed him what he was seeing, struggled through it, gritted through it. He's a tough guy. He's a competitor. And then Nathan Rourke came out and actually looked really good, which is awesome because the guy's a Canadian. Mm-hmm. And B, now is he's better prepared for that second start. So that's kind of the vibe I got. It was almost like, I'm going to go out and just try to make this a thing. Holy crap, we're back in it. I'm really sore. You need to go back in. I hope you're relaxing and see things now. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's... 
That's certainly a fair approach. I, I think if he could have, Michael Riley probably would have finished the game. But regardless, um, he put he eventually he put the you know the team in the right spot to get there and decided that he didn't have enough in the tank to get them over the finish line. They couldn't quite get over the finish line, but regardless, um, yeah, I, I think Nathan Rourke eventually looked pretty good. And that's nothing but positive for a Canadian kid that has a lot of expectations on him, mostly from Justin right. Dunk. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Justin Dunk is like that parent, that hardo parent that's like, I couldn't fulfill my dreams, so you're going to fulfill my dreams. And Nathan Rourke is his son now. There's always there's always the next one. I mean, both of them are handsome AF, so I mean, it, yeah. it kind of makes sense. The Ryder quarterback in the game, though, uh, was surrounded by a little bit of controversy. Um, I'm kind of making a point this year, unless it's absolutely unavoidable, especially more so in my post-game pieces. We'll talk about a little bit on the pod, but mm-hmm. to not really talk about officiating too much if I can avoid it. Right. I don't I don't think it, it you know, there's everything tends to even out and all this sort of stuff over the course of a season. But there was the play at the goal line where he took the shot to the head. It was pretty clear, clearly to me a headshot that he that wasn't flagged on the play and that you know and he said after the game he's like oh well, i guess i'm not a big enough name to get that call yet i don't know if that's true or not i mean it's a good little one-liner at least but he is one of the bigger names in this league so if he didn't get that call it's hard to believe many other guys would if you're basing it on reputation right but it was a whole interesting scenario that played out I, you know the call was missed it is what it is at this point uh the, the bc lion has been fined so they, there's clearly some admission of an error was missed there. But it was a whole calamity of weird things that I wish I had thought about more in the time to make it to add it to the piece is more of, it was just an all-around kind of dumb situation. Okay, yes, there should have been a penalty. But then it turned out that basically, they when they reviewed it, Craig Dickinson basically, and this was thanks to uh, Stephen Safamod of uh, the Pivots Podcast that kind of enlightened me to this because I hadn't really thought about the play a whole mm-hmm. lot since. Because to me, the end zone angle showed clearly showed uh, Cody Fajardo got hit in the head by a helmet. Right. Anyway. But then it was basically uh, Craig Dickinson challenged for roughing the passer because he can't really challenge unnecessary roughness. Right. And so it became a whole thing with that. So he basically was just hoping that they would potentially still see him as a passer in that situation, even though he clearly wasn't. So, I mean, it was a whole weird, it was a whole lot of different things that was happening in that one moment. I don't really blame Dickinson for the challenge at that time, though in retrospect, he probably wishes he hadn't because there was a complete pass later that he probably could have been able to challenge and win where it looked like it hit the ground. But regardless, (coughs) and what really gets me out of the whole thing, out of all of that, Cody Fajardo fights tooth and nail to, you know, get back to the half yard line. They try to do everything to get the penalty called. And then they still can say the safety after all that. No, no. I, which... <laughs> I was like, after all this, you did everything possible to avoid the safety. And you can see And you still anyway. do it, which mathematically says you should never, ever, ever do it. Gah! And I mean, like, it, it, I hate it, to the safety. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the ones that did work out. But bad decisions work out sometimes too. So I'm on. I'm with you. Don't ever concede safeties. You never see it in any other type of football. When teams are at the one yard line or the half yard line in any other football, they punt. Yep. So it was. It was just. I was just. I thought about it to like today, basically before we came to record this, and I was like, "Man, that whole thing was so dumb. I should have oh, thought just, of it more at the time." But, but, but that's that's, and I think, and I, and a, I, I'm glad that that I do have personal bias. Talking about the CFL reps is I have two CFL officials I would consider friends of mine. Yeah. So. I have a hard time like knowing how knowing personally the effort that those guys have put in for decades to get to that spot. It's hard for me to rip anything right now. I think what we all need to remember is outside of a couple like scrimmages at camps uh, and maybe officiating some drills the entire CFL officiating crew hasn't done a game in 600 days either. Mm-hmm. There was no U Sports. There was no CJFL. There was no way for these guys to stay on top of their game, which already is a part-time job. There are not full-time CFL officials yet. So the fact that I would say out of this whole weekend, that is the only call you could kind of say you blew it. 
And I do believe it was a missed call. Yeah. And I think any official watching that tape would agree. Mm -hmm. But the fact that in, in the officials' first game in 600 days, working their regular jobs, focusing on their families, focusing on their careers, just trying to stay in shape for working something at game speed and having no warm-up, like, like nothing. Yeah. The fact that, that one helmet-to-helmet hit is all we're talking about really is it, it like those guys should put the feather in the cap like that they only came out of like remember when the nfl had replacement officials mm. and what a shit show that was yeah for these guys working part-time to come out and and largely make the opening week of cfl football controversy free minus a call that i think everybody universally admits that they've blown Kudos to them. I'm going to give them a lot of credit. It was a missed call, mm-hmm. but it happens. I, I, I got to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And I, I've said it on this podcast, and I'll continue to say it. I think the CFL has some of the best officiating in sports. I would agree, especially considering that these guys all have full-time jobs. Yeah. Like, like NFL officials for getting paid a significant amount of money to do their job full-time, they kind of suck. And I get it. You need 16 crews instead of, like, four. But still, like, like I will, I, like, you so rarely hear about officiating controversies. You don't hear about the Tim Peel bullshit that we heard about in the, in the NHL. Like, it's just, like, mm-hmm. kudos to those guys. And, again, I see this with extreme bias because I know a couple guys. And I'll be the first to admit it, but kudos to those guys. I, I'm with yeah. you on that one. Yeah. So that puts pretty much a wrap on week one. Um, the other sort of interesting tidbit for me from week one overall in the CFL was the television ratings. And we're a couple of media nerds around here, so I'm always kind of oh, interested yeah. when this stuff comes out. I know the average viewer or listener doesn't really care all that much, but there is some interest in sort of like the overall health of the league that you can kind of read into it. And it's fair to say that I think it was a good news, bad news weekend for the CFL on that front. Um, week one... Uh, the opening game between the Bombers and the Ticats, uh, uh, listening to Duncan Hodge, it was up about 100,000 viewers from the season opener the year before, which involved the Riders. So the fact right. that, you know, right. just in pure numbers, there's a huge jump in the season opener is very encouraging news. Uh, the Riders game was obviously big as well. So the first two games, both 600 plus, the Rider game 700 plus. But then Saturday came, and <laughs> neither of those games cracked 400,000. And while, you know, I understand the TV landscape has changed, the sports world has changed, everything's changed. To me, that 400, that sort of 450 mark is probably to me for a CFL regular season game, still kind of the bar to be like, okay, that's not bad. So if you're below that, I'm like, and that's, that's a little concerning. It it is. And, and I will play a little devil's advocate here. Um, I don't think anybody in Toronto gives a damn yet. No. I don't but, think but anybody... I mean, they, and, but I, and I, it's also, you know, sort of a concerning trend of, well, what's going on in Alberta, too, that they couldn't push that up a little bit. Because, I mean, there were only 23,000 fans at the game in Calgary. Right. And that was one, and that was the third lowest game of the league. I think the Edmonton-Ottawa game did even worse. Ottawa games generally don't seem to draw that well television-wise, and especially a 10 Eastern start wasn't going to help them in that regard either no no and i get it it was a um it was a shitty weekend to be up against but yeah. i think you're right in the fact that the dyna- the the landscape has changed so much and it is something i think the cfl is going to be have to be very much aware of mm-hmm. i mean your your rider games are always going to draw huge i think with winnipeg finally being good again Hamilton's always going to draw huge. Um, I hope if the Argos are as good as I think they're going to be this year, maybe you start getting some eyeballs out of the Golden Horseshoe uh, for the Argos. But that is a worrying number, especially for the yeah. first games in 600 days. And it's not like there's 58,000 at Mc- like no. there's 58,000 at Commonwealth. Okay, I can give you a bit of a pass. They got to 30 at Edmonton though, so that was good. Which is which is still yeah a solid number. That's mm-hmm. thirty thousand people that probably would have been watching that game, but uh, it, it's I don't think you sound the alarm yet because no. as you mentioned before we started recording, we had Olympics, we had baseball, and I think 
what you're especially going to find for summer rating. I, I generally think that summer ratings in the CFL are going to be down because yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. as, as both are as Saskatchewan and Alberta have just decided COVID's over, you're going to have people going out and living their lives as much as they can before Delta shuts us all down again. So um, I, uh, I, I don't think it's time to sound the alarm yet. No, it is something uh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's not like this isn't like oh my god, everyone panic, but it is. I think it is worth keeping an eye on to see whether this was sort of a one-off or if there's a trend developing. It's like when you're using your lawnmower 4.0 and you feel something that might be a little off there. You you know you make sure you go over the spot a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that's for you, Jacques. <laughs> so that. We'll have to wait and see what the ratings will bring in terms of the CFL this week. But the Riders, of course, will be taking on the Hamilton Ticats at Mosaic Stadium uh, in front of what's continuing to look like a much smaller crowd. Um, That's neither here nor there at this point. But it's going to be a fascinating football game for me, I think, at a lot of different levels because I think both teams are kind of in sort of the same situation right now where you don't really know where they're at. One One won, one loss lost obviously but you know a lot of the problems are sort of similar right now both offensive lines are question marks so i i think basically to break it down in sort of the dumbest most obvious level is whoever's offensive line is holds up best is going to win this game right i would agree um and this i actually get to feel like i know what the hell i'm talking about for a moment because uh the two football games i watched the most of were the riders and the bombers games mm-hmm. um i think hamilton looks really shitty like, I don't know if Winnipeg is really good, and I don't feel like I can ever admit Winnipeg's really good because Fraser Kersenal. It almost feels like Winnipeg just has that number over Hamilton. Right, but on the same note, I would argue that at no point did Hamilton look good in that game. They had a decent opening drive, and outside of that, it was another 15 minutes of football that they looked like a bad disjointed dysfunctional frustrated football team like the body language on brandon banks which rod black could not stop talking about um it wasn't good i mean he gets like that though you get in his kitchen and he gets uh, he gets he gets in his head real easy so that's something to keep an eye on well well and that's exactly it and it'd been a while since mazzoli had played and i just hamilton never once scared me as a blue bomber fan. And that's saying something as a bomber fan. Cause we are all expecting the, the, like they score that opening drive touchdown. I turned to my father-in-law who was over visiting and I went, well, three year grace period. Cause I'm a big believer in the grace period. I can't s- seriously bitch about my blue bombers for three years after they won a great cup. No, I think it's that's five, yep. It's five years in any other sport. Um, but Hamilton did not look good. And I even think at Saskatchewan's worst, they looked at least as good as Hamilton's best. That's what I'm going to be watching for. I think the riders learned some lessons about themselves. And I don't want to call a blowout because Fraser curse, but I'm fairly confident the riders win this week. I'm not so much. Uh, spoiler alert on Three Down Nation. It'll probably be posted by the time you actually listen to this podcast. I did take the Hamilton Ticats just because I think their offensive line is going to hold up a little bit better. Uh, that Ticat pass rush is a lot better than BC with the likes of Jagarit Davis. So I'm not as confident in the offensive line having as strong of a game. I don't think they're going to get crushed by any stretch of the imagination. I think this could be a very good football game. I think it has the potential to be. So... I just, I just don't really know. This is, this is the game. We're just gonna have. This is one of those games where we might learn something about these teams after this game, depending on sort of what happens. If the Riders come out strong like they did against BC, they're obviously not going to go up thirty-one nothing again. We would imagine. But no. if they look solid, then you and they can keep that going through basically the course of a game. I think we'll have an idea of who they are. If they come out and shit the bed, we also may have an idea of who they are a little bit more. And that basically goes the same way. I think for Hamilton's case there's probably at least a little more longer until we know who they are because they were bad against Winnipeg. So if they're good this week against the Riders, the question is, well, which one are they, right? There's no right. there's no yin or yang in that first game in terms of who they were. So this is not necessarily a benchmark game for them, but it is could be a correction game for them where they move on. And I think ultimately, 
I still think Hamilton's going to end up being one of the best, if not the best team in the CFL this year. And honestly, it might be better for them to actually struggle for a bit first for once. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood kind of thought. Um, I am higher on Montreal than I am on Hamilton. And I, I, I think that went back to my preseason. Picks I never, I mean, you... I mean, if you looked at my preseason picks on three downation.com as well, you will realize I did not pick Hamilton to get to this great cup though. Right. I picked right. Montreal as well. So, right. And, and, and I think Montreal has a better chance now. Now, again, as you, as you mentioned, things we're going to discover, we're also going to discover, you know, when Winnipeg plays Toronto, because those are two teams that looked really good in the first week. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see. I think we know who the, I think out of all the teams in the CFL right now, we probably know the most about the Bombers than anyone else. So I will be very intrigued to see what the Argos do in that game. Yeah, no, certain as as would I. And I think a good Argos team, not only for my bold Grey Cup pick, looks good, but for the fact that it's good for the league to have a decent Argos team. Yeah. Um, and before we go, um, I would be amiss if we did not uh, just give the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization some kudos for yes. uh, a very classy move that they did uh, up in the press box for our friend, Warren Woods, Woodsy. Yeah. Of course, um, I made it pretty clear. I've talked about it in the past that I used to sit beside Woodsy in the press box. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved down two seats now because apparently Daryl Davis is now in the press box. He's given away his season tickets for the year. Um, that's neither here nor there at this point, but I, I was going to, I was going to say, there's probably a better chance of sitting beside somebody yeah. vaccinated in the press box than in the stand. So yeah. I can't blame Daryl yeah. either. I no, I did, I did not. I did not blame him at all. Um, but yeah, his spot seat number 22, um, has now been, uh, retired in memory for one Warren Woods. There's a little plaque there, uh, with his name on it and everything. Uh, so it's expected to, it was even uh, supposed to be a bigger plaque coming in as well. I think the ones right there right now is just temporary. Mm-hmm. So, um, Full credit to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, communications director, Ariel Zur, and the entire team uh, that made that happen. Uh, it was certainly weird being at that game without yeah. Woodsy, as it would have been, probably would have been the first time I would have seen him since the 2019 West Final would have been at that game. So uh, it was definitely strange for him not to be there. And I think uh, I think all of us from the Regina media took, uh, took a moment to kind of to stand around that seat for a second and uh, think of our good friend. I love the fact that the writers and Ariel stepped up and did that because I know you and I had discussed mm-hmm. privately, never publicly, what you were going to do because you were the guy mm-hmm. that sat beside Woodsy if you were yeah. assigned that seat and you said I'm I'm going to shuffle down and 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 I I was glad you were going to do that. Um, put it this way, Jewel, I I love Woodsy so much. I love listening to him. Love my conversations with him. I might even go buy a Bohemian just just to celebrate him here coming up on this this Ryder game on Friday. Absolutely, that could uh, that could be something a lot of people I think certainly could consider. 